as multitudes are returning to the celebration of the biblical feast days, such as Passover, there's a question that's irking many. Can uncircumcised Christians keep the feast of Passover? Can they celebrate it by having a Seder meal in light of the restriction that scripture has put forth. Exodus 12, verse 48. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. This question is so important because most Christians all around the world today are in fact not circumcised. Would none of them be allowed to keep Passover? And what about the first century with all the multitudes of Gentiles who were coming into the faith, who were uncircumcised? Were none of them allowed to celebrate this biblical feast day? What did the Messiah say and do about this when he was here and what is left for us to do today in modern times to answer these questions we're going to take a deep dive into scripture to see where passover comes from what it's about and what the bible actually says we read all about the passover in exodus 12 verse 23 for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses and the people bowed their heads and worshiped. The scriptures prescribe various ways by which we celebrate this feast of Passover including the sacrifice of the Passover lamb, which we just read about, as well as the keeping of a Sabbath, a rest on the first and the seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, as well as eating unleavened bread for seven days and abstaining from leaven, as well as the keeping of something like a Passover Seder or meal with unleavened bread and bitter herbs on top of the communion that the Messiah also did with his disciples. But what about that sacrifice? Is that sacrifice still something that is done today? Well, if you've ever looked around at how Passover is often celebrated, People don't do the sacrifice because the sacrifice is only to be done in the land of Israel. And that's why when we read about this Passover celebration that God told them, 
when you enter the land, then you do that Passover sacrifice. We also read further about it in Deuteronomy 16 verse 5. You may not offer the Passover sacrifice within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you. But at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell in it, there you shall offer the Passover sacrifice in the evening at sunset at the time you came out of Egypt. And you shall cook it and eat it at the place that the Lord your God will choose. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. As you can see, we can't just go and do a Passover sacrifice or any kind of sacrifice for God in our backyards or in any other place. No, it has to be done in the place that the Lord has put his name. That is in Jerusalem. But since there is no temple today, there's no procedure that is ongoing of that nature. We can't make a sacrifice and we simply cannot fulfill this part of celebrating the feast. And so because of that, we need to think about how we celebrate the feast and understand that while that part of making the Passover sacrifice is not included in our celebration, all the other ways that I have mentioned earlier in this teaching is still able for us to do. And so we will do what we are able to do. We can, including with that celebration, have a Passover Seder with bitter herbs and unleavened bread and the uh, bread and the wine that the Messiah instituted. And we can have with that any other thing we want as our traditions include or not. We can have any kind of meat, but as long as we understand that if we have something like meat or whatever, it's not a sacrifice we're making. We're just having meat. And God told us that's okay. He said in Deuteronomy 12 verse 14, But at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I'm commanding you. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your towns as much as you desire, according to the blessing of the Lord, your God, that he has given you. Now, here's the big question. Was the requirement for circumcision only for those who desire to eat of the Passover sacrifice? Or does it extend even as far as that no one can partake in any kind of anything to do with Passover if they're not circumcised in flesh? Let's read the instruction and see for ourselves. Exodus 12 verse 48 says, If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. The first thing that we need to realize is that the word keep, when it tells us to keep it, is a word a soul. And it can mean various different things, including to make, keep, or sacrifice, 
or even offer. So if this word can be used for so many different things, including the word sacrifice, it may very well also be read as the following. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would sacrifice the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and sacrifice it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. But how do we now know that it should be reading sacrifice instead of just a general term of keeping the Passover? Well, it's quite easy to figure that one out. If we simply look at the context of Exodus chapter 12, there's a few things that shows us what it's supposed to say and what this instruction is really all about. The first hint that's given to us is in Exodus 12 verse 48, where it says that if the male is circumcised, then he may come near and keep it. That terminology of he may come near is often used when it talks about approaching the temple, approaching God, coming near him. And with that are many requirements often like you need to be in a clean state and things like that. So he's saying you need to come near. That's one of our first hints. But he also says in Exodus 12 verse 25 that the, the, the Exodus chapter 12 is all about when you come into the land, as we have read earlier. He says, and when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. Talking about the sacrifice. And so why does he say it's for when you come near to the land? Well, because like we talked about earlier, you can't just make a sacrifice anywhere. You have to do it at the place the Lord put his name in his land. So this again is pointing towards that this is talking about the Passover sacrifice specifically. And another example is Exodus 12, verse 27. And this is where God just flat out tells us that chapter 12 of Exodus is all about the Passover sacrifice. And he says in Exodus 12, verse 26, And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. And then lastly, Exodus 12, verse 48, he also says specifically, it's all about the eating of the sacrifice. He says, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. So now we see that this instruction about needing to be circumcised in flesh as a male to partake in the Passover is in relation to the Passover sacrifice and specifically eating it. But since today we aren't able to have the Passover sacrifice as part of our Passover celebration, it is not a law that is relevant to us in this time, 
in this moment where we are and to us as the individuals that we are, if we are, for example, an uncircumcised Christian who desires to keep the Passover, since we wouldn't be needing to eat the sacrifice anyway. But doesn't that just mean that we shouldn't be keeping the Passover at all if we can't do it exactly the way that God said in every way? You see, there are many things in God's law that we aren't all able to do. There are many laws for when there is a temple and how to approach the temple and what you can and cannot do. There are many laws specifically made for priests or men or women. I can't follow a law that's given by God for a woman and neither can a woman follow a law that's been given for a man such as myself. That doesn't mean that we just throw it all out and say we can't keep any of it. It just means that if there's a law for a temple and we there's no temple or a law to do a sacrifice at a temple, but there's no temple, well, we just don't keep that part of it. And when we look at, you know, the first century, we should really ask the question, just what did the early church do about the situation? Uh, Paul, for example, tell he writes in his letters and he encourages the church to keep the feast of Passover. And he says this, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7, For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, with the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Notice how he encourages them to celebrate the feast, but he doesn't tell them anything about the need to be circumcised to do so. There was a temple standing at the time that Paul was writing this. However, to the church he was writing to, the church of the Corinthians, that temple was a very far journey away, about 3,000 kilometers. That is so far in, in the first century for someone that it is impossible for many to be able to make that journey. In fact, if you want to take that journey by car today, you would be driving over 30 hours, not to mention how long it would take if you were to walk as you would need to do in ancient times. But my point is simply that Paul still encouraged them to keep the feast. He mentions the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for example, which is connected to Passover and how they need to cleanse themselves from the leaven. That is a part of celebrating the Feast of Passover amongst the other things that they could do. And in the same way, if we feel like there's a part of the feast that we can't do, like we can't go do a sacrifice, like many in the church of the Corinthians likely felt like they couldn't do, that we can still keep the other parts of it. But what about those? Let's, let's dive a little deeper. What about those who were in Jerusalem, who were part of the Gentiles, the multitudes coming into the faith, who weren't circumcised? Could they keep the Passover? Could they eat of this Passover sacrifice? Well, just like the scriptures instruct, no, you cannot eat of the sacrifice itself if you are not circumcised in the flesh. But that does not mean they didn't keep Passover. We know this because when we look at some of the Midrashes, that means the 
the writings, the teachings that were going around within the first to second century in the Jewish communities, the rabbis actually permitted people who weren't circumcised to partake in the Passover, even the Passover meal, as long as they didn't eat of that piece of meat that that was sacrificed at the temple earlier. Uh, we read this, for example, in the Mekhilta de Rabbi Shimon Bar Janai. It's a first to second century compilation of rabbinic midrashes on the Exodus, and it writes, likewise, bound and hired, stated in regards to the Teruma, mean that this uncircumcised person is prohibited from eating it. No bound or hired labor shall eat of it, is what it says in Exodus. But then it says, of it he shall not eat, but he may eat unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And so we see that those who were uncircumcised in flesh were permitted to celebrate it. They were permitted to even be at the meal and, and partake in all aspects and eat whatever they want, except for the actual Passover sacrifice. But now what did the Messiah say? What did the Messiah do regarding all of this? You see, Yeshua actually knew that he was at a time walking the earth where there was a temple, sacrifices were being done, etc. But he knew that a time was coming when that would no longer be. That time that we are living in right now. And he even prophesied regarding this when he was speaking to the Samaritan woman. As the Samaritan woman said that our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus replied and said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. When the Samaritan woman asked, on which mountain should we be worshiping? What she's really asking is at what temple is the right place of worship? In other words, where do we make our sacrifices? Because that was one of the main ways of worshiping God in the first century. Is it on Mount Gerizim where the Samaritans do it? Or is it in Jerusalem where the Jews do it? Is what she's asking. And he tells her something interesting. He says, I tell you, the time is coming and is now here that is not going to be on Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim, this temple or that temple, this mountain or that mountain where people will come to worship the Lord, but they will worship him from all places in spirit and truth, because that is what was lacking in the first century. Just think about how, for example, the many Pharisees who came against Yeshua, they were celebrating and worshiping on the Mount of Jerusalem, on the, by the Temple Mount. They were worshiping God in that way, but they were missing the spirit of the truth, the spirit of the law. Because when the actual Passover sacrifice, everything the Passover was supposed to point to was walking among them, they couldn't even recognize him. 
They missed the spirit of the law. They weren't walking in spirit and in truth. And he is saying now people will worship me without going to the temple, but all over the world in spirit and in truth. And that's exactly what is happening today. So think about this in the bigger picture of what he is really getting at, because we know that he came for the both the circumcised and the uncircumcised, both Jew, Gentile, pagan alike, everyone he came to die for, to open the door for. That was one of his main missions to the Jew first, but to the Gentile and the rest of the world. And so keeping this in mind, then at the Passover with his disciples, just before he is crucified, he gives them this uh, right that we know as communion, this the bread and the wine. And he says that these elements are symbolic of my body and blood, my sacrifice. And he say he gives this for them and he says, you celebrate this. When I go, this is what you guys will do in remembrance of me. And this is now a new or a, a an additional element given to us. In addition to the how we would have done the Passover sacrifice. But Yeshua knew that the Passover sacrifice that would be done annually would no longer be able to be done anymore. And that's what happened in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. No longer could anyone celebrate the Passover or or have anything really symbolic of that sacrifice of Yeshua. But that's why he gave what we call communion today. That is what is what we have today to uh, to think on and celebrate his sacrifice that doesn't do away with the law. It doesn't do away with anything. It doesn't replace anything, but it is something that we could keep today, even though we don't have a physical temple standing in Jerusalem. And here's the beautiful part about it is before only those who were circumcised in flesh could partake in the sacrifice of the Passover, right? Well, the communion, the bread and the wine that he gives has no restriction regarding being circumcised in flesh. It only has a restriction regarding how we must be circumcised in heart. And Paul tells us, He says, you cannot partake in the body and blood of the Messiah and the bread and the wine unworthily. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So he's saying, if you don't drink and eat the bread and the wine with a in a careful manner where your heart is circumcised, you are not you are doing so in a state of repentance from your sins. You are not just having a drink and you're especially not an unbeliever, someone who doesn't believe in God and just no, you are doing this in a very serious manner. Otherwise, he says that you are actually guilty 
of the body and blood of the Messiah. It's like you killed him yourself if you partake in an unworthy manner. So what is the conclusion of the matter? We don't have to worry about the requirement for a circumcision of the flesh in observing Passover, since that pertains to eating of the Passover sacrifice, which is something that cannot be done anyway at this time. Secondly, we can partake in all the other many ways that the Bible gives us to celebrate the Passover, including in the beautiful symbols that the Messiah gave us with the bread and the wine representing his body and his blood. We can keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. We can rest in the, on the first and the seventh day of that feast. We can eat the bitter herbs and unleavened bread. We can have a meal and fellowship with others. So, brothers and sisters, I hope that this clears things up for you and encourages you to partake in this festival, which is beautiful, which teaches us more about the Messiah and will draw you closer to the Father. Many blessings. A special shout out and thank you to our partners who have made this video and every other video this month possible. You can learn how to become a partner by visiting riseonfire.com.